0: Hello, and thank you for joining us here on The Neutral Zone. I am Phil Milani, joined, as always, by my trusty sidekick, my partner in crime. Really, the best way to describe this person is my everything. It's at Eric Dalala.
1: Phil, good to see you. It's been a while.
0: It has been a while. It's been a week, I think,
1: huh? I know. I can barely barely made it.
0: Yeah, it's been a crazy week for the Broncos. So many free agency moves. This team looks Nothing like the team we saw last week. <laughs>
1: That's true, Phil. You know, I, I heard a little rumor that Justin Simmons signed a contract. Yeah. You heard about that then, huh? I, I did. I'm pretty – I got my uh, ear to the ground.
0: Yeah. That's a good saying. You got that one right.
1: <laughs> I'm not the one that normally messes those up. Got it, got it.
0: Well, we have a great show in store for you today. We'll be talking about the biggest surprise moves so far throughout free agency – you know, we, we sort of thought maybe Justin Simmons was going to get done. But what was our biggest surprise move as the Broncos have really loaded up on the defensive side of the ball?
1: Loaded up. They're ready to go. Yep. Could, you know, last week, George Payton said, we got a few more months. We don't yeah. have to play yet. They're ready yep. to play.
0: You're Let's ready play. to rock. Let's yeah. go. Let's go. You know, the one area the Broncos really haven't addressed is the quarterback position. We'll mm. talk about what that market looks like now, because George Payton said that he wants to bring in competition at the quarterback position, but they haven't done anything just yet.
1: Taking their sweet time, which is okay.
0: Yeah. Then we'll uh, talk about the draft now that the Broncos have loaded up at the cornerback position, which is the position that a lot of experts had mocked to the Broncos what we're going to realign some of the draft needs and what the Broncos might do at the ninth overall pick. Uh, I don't think they'll go corner, but you never know.
1: know, I I don't know. I wouldn't say it's out of the question yet.
0: Okay. Okay. We'll get there, Phil. We'll get there. Yeah. Then we'll wrap things up by talking about the Broncos roster as it stands now. Are there any future ring of famers on the roster?
1: Mm. I can probably name at least one. Really? You're yeah. pretty confident about it. Yeah. You ever heard of Von Miller?
0: Yes, I have. Yeah, definitely Von Miller. But maybe did the Broncos secure any more ring of famers here uh, down the road through free agency? So how does that sound for a pretty good show here, Eric? Let's get after it. Eric, we like to make this an engaging episode, you know, uh, a podcast, I mean, you know, like the people comment, we f- we get that feedback, we react to it. That's sort of what The Neutral Zone is all about. Uh, on Apple Podcasts, you can subscribe, rate, and review The Neutral Zone. And we got one the other day uh, from someone named Greatest Worth, Greatest Worth, Thank you for uh, leaving a comment there. He says, great pod. I love this pod and all the horrible humor. Not really sure what that means, but, but I think that was a compliment. Pardon he, he goes, uh, if it is okay with you, could I get a shout out, Phil and Eric? Of course. So shout out to Greatest Worth. Appreciate, uh, appreciate the feedback there. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Eric, if you can't go to Apple Podcasts, what's another way somebody could get involved with the show?
1: Well, I don't want to take yours, Phil, but you could leave an email at neutralzoneshow at gmail.com. You could tweet at us at Broncos Podcasts. You could tweet at us. Directly. At, yes. At at Eric Dalala with an A, at Phil Maloney with a PH. Traditional spelling.
0: Eric, A A Rick. Yes. A Rick. Yeah. Maybe that's what happened, you know, in your birth certificate, just slight confusion there. Mm -hmm. You know.
1: Hmm.
0: You could also uh, leave a voicemail 707 neutral, 707 neutral. Uh, that's You can just leave a voicemail. We'll play it right here on the air. We did get uh, an email the other day from our good friend, John Jornod. I'm not sure if this was a compliment, but he said, Phil finally makes a correct statement. Wow. That was that kind of hurt my feelings. He uh, he enjoyed the little uh, jab that I had at Jerry Judy last week uh, saying that uh, Ronald Darby, if he wants more interceptions, he should work out with Jerry Judy because then they could both practice securing the ball securing the catch
1: right and to be clear you are the one who made that joke i thought that you did that Mm, not according to uh this listener who wrote it john jornad our good friend i'm not i'm trying not to implicate him either in your decision (laughs) got it got it yeah
0: um another way that you could be a part of the show is you can leave a comment on youtube we read all the comments and then usually Eric calls me and needs a little bit of uh, help. You know, he needs me to console him. Um, but uh, we appreciate all of the comments. Jason Peters commented. He says, intelligent conversation as usual, fellas. I think Mike Boone is an awesome signing. Hope we take a shot at Marcus Mariota. Uh, don't think that that's going to happen anymore. But but appreciate the comment. So can I just
1: say, as we're... Um going through these comments i have my own comment and that you've kind of got some al davis vibes going right now with the slicked back hair and the black windbreaker it, it's not know, a windbreaker
0: it's a pullover
1: it kind of looks like a windbreaker for those of you watching it's, on youtube you can maybe chime in on if phil looks like he's about to go make sure that somebody's sleeping with the fishes because
0: i think i need a little of, more jewelry or something like that to kind of look like you
1: smell a rat
0: uh, uh, my the hair is a little bit wet today. Sorry. I apologize. I'm sorry, Eric. It's okay. <laughs> uh, Eric Ramos, as usual. What's up, Phil and Eric? Very happy we got Shelby, Vaughn, Justin back for another fantastic – oh, Justin back, space, and another fantastic show. Go Neutral Zone show. Go Broncos. I know nice. how to read, Eric. I know how to read. <laughs> So uh, a, a lot of uh, good uh, comments here. Someone uh, enjoyed our analysis on on uh, Philip Lindsay. That's a shout out from Judah Max. He He enjoyed our conversation about Philip Lindsay. So, you know, we keep it real here on the neutral zone. We keep it right down the middle, you know, no favorites. That's,
1: That's right. right.
0: That's right. So those are all the ways you can get involved with the show. Go ahead and smash the subscribe button if you're on YouTube right now. Smash that subscribe button. And with that, Eric, let's dive right into our first topic here. What what was the most surprising move that George Payton and the Broncos made so far one
1: week through free agency? I'm going to cheat a little bit here, too, Phil. I know you like it when I do Of that. course you are. You can't yeah. answer the question. Well, I mean, I I came up with a topic, so I'm going to answer it how I want to. I think the the, the biggest surprise was how aggressive George Payton was in general, because oh. I think he talks so much about you build through the draft, you draft and develop the draft is the lifeblood of this team. And then he went out and made a splash in free agency. I mean, it wasn't the new England Patriots, which nobody else was, but he, he went and he signed a couple of really high quality free agents. But I think the most surprising individual move, Phil, is keeping Von Miller. Um, you know, they picked up his option. Where it was. It sounded like, based on some reports, that they negotiated for a little bit, but decided to pick up the option anyway. Uh, It seemed like, Phil, the way things were trending, that maybe Vaughn was going to move on in his career. We saw some reports from our friend Mike Kliss that that was at least a very realistic possibility. Um, The fact that they kept him at that initial salary to me was very surprising. I, I think it's a good move based on how the edge market, the edge rusher market developed. Um, and kind of the other options, you would have been paying about the same amount of money for probably a less talented, um, less qualified player. But I do think, Phil, just that I kind of expected if he was going to be back, that it was going to be at some sort of discount or a contract extension. And so the fact that he came back just kind of as is um, was somewhat surprising to me and a good surprise, I think, a move that makes this team better this year.
0: Yeah, I... You know, someone along those lines, I guess one of the biggest surprises uh, for me was just how the market played out this year. It really was an interesting, you know, a a lot of uh, cap casualties that we didn't think would uh, get cut, got cut. And a lot of guys that I think thought that they were going to get paid didn't quite get that much money. And it really seemed like there was like one top guy at each position who really got paid, like Dak really got paid. Justin really got paid. That was sort of, but other than that, not like it wasn't a whole party of everybody just getting paid. And so the, my biggest surprise was Kyle Fuller. I mean, I I don't think that we necessarily thought he was going to be available. And the fact that he got released and then literally the next day he was in the building here signing. And, you know, uh, I think that uh, that was that was surprising to me. I think that what I would have expected was just a Ronald Darby, somebody like that, you know, like a a really good cover guy to come in and help the secondary. But they've really revamped the entire secondary, you know, by adding in a legitimate number one corner in Kyle Fuller. Now all of a sudden you're getting comparisons to the No Fly Zone. You're getting comparisons to, oh, this is the formula to win a, a Super Bowl. You got to have these rushers. You got to have the cover guys. And to be fair, that's what George Payton said when we asked him about free agency. He said, "You got to get after the quarterback, and you got to have guys who can cover," and that was his priority in free agency. So,
1: I know you found that revolutionary that strategy. You were I never heard of way that way. before. I was like, yeah. "Gosh, this guy clear from a last visionary."
0: Episode. Yeah, yeah. I was You're so I was
1: shocked, shocked. Yeah. And then you heard um, Pat Sherber's vision, which was to run the ball and throw the ball, and you were. You were blown away again.
0: He was like, We gotta score more points. And I was like, yeah. Well,
1: well. Yeah. That's did, kind of what your reaction was. Did not think um, of that. The the only reason Kyle Fuller isn't the biggest surprise to me is just because as soon as he was released, kind of the connection started. You know, people said, Hey, it would make a lot of sense for him to come to Denver. They still need maybe a true number one. They still he had so much success with Vic fangio. Like the things just kind of lined up quickly. And it doesn't always work like that, Phil. There are often times where a guy makes plenty of sense to go somewhere and he doesn't end up going there. But in this case, it just made a lot of sense. Whereas I think with Vaughn, there are plenty of reasons you could think of that it made sense not to pick up the option. You know, his his age, he had kind of a down season in 2019. And, and while I think it's going to pay dividends, I think once you knew, once you knew Kyle Fuller was available, it was kind of a, a no-brainer. Whereas with Vaughn, I think there was some consideration probably into that. And maybe it was a less um, clear decision.
0: Yeah. I mean, once you throw in that caveat, then then it becomes not a surprise. You're like, oh, yeah, once he got released, then it wasn't a surprise. Of course it wasn't a surprise after that. I'm saying going into free agency, I didn't think that that was going to be a possibility. And so the fact that at the start of free agency, didn't think that. And now a week later, Kyle Fuller is a part of the Broncos that was the biggest surprise. You could say, well, yeah, it wasn't surprising once Shaq Barrett got all this money to play at Tampa. After that, it really wasn't that surprising that Vaughn stayed with at his current contract. I mean, uh, uh, you can you can sort of shape anything you want to shape here, but uh, but I think the two biggest surprises were definitely Kyle Fuller and Bob Miller. But don't minimize the fact that Kyle Fuller is not a part of the Broncos. Where a week ago we weren't even talking about him.
1: Oh, I'm not minimizing it by any uh, stretch of the imagination at all. It's a very big addition. I don't. Just one deep breath, Phil. Give me a deep breath here. Just.
0: Yeah. Well, you're like, well, if, yeah, you're like, uh, there's no ifs
1: or no no ifs at all. I'm just telling you, kind of yeah. when you it know really, two situations.
0: When he was like touring around the building and he was like meeting with George Payton and he was down the hall with Vic Fangio. At that point, I was like, this is. This is not gonna be surprising. He's gonna come down here and sign.
1: <laughs> That's about when things click for you, right?
0: Yeah. You're like, you're like
1: exactly. he's holding a pen in his hand. I'm pretty sure at this point he's I think that sign. he's gonna
0: sign. You yeah. know, once he picked up that pen, it really wasn't a surprise.
1: Yeah, then you knew.
0: Yeah, yeah. That yeah. was not surprising. Yeah.
1: I don't think until the tweet came out from I don't I don't remember who broke it, if it was Adam Schefter or Ian Rappaport. Until the tweet came out that the Broncos were picking up Vaughn's option, I truly had no sense of which way that was going to go.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, I I, I agree. But I think that once, like, J.J. Watt went to Arizona, he got uh, paid there. Shaq Barrett, he got paid where he was, you know, staying in Tampa. You know, I think that once you saw some of these other pieces fall into place, then it just made a ton of sense from my perspective to go ahead and bring back Von Miller and George yeah. and Vic Fangio even said that uh, earlier. I think it was, what was it last week? Uh, they, they indicated that, Hey, you know, we wanted Vaughn back. I mean, this guy's a special type of pass rusher and they still think that he's set for a, a monster season next year.
1: Well, and I hope so. I just, I think that a guy like Shaq Barrett has almost 30 sacks over the last two years. Vaughn has, Eight since the start of 2019 he hasn't had a truly he dominant the whole season correct that's part of the equation you can't just pretend that that didn't happen when you're deciding if you're picking up a guy's option or not
0: uh, true but it, it don't just say oh he's only had eight sacks in the last two years
1: is that true or not true
0: well it is true but like uh peyton manning didn't have any touchdowns the last five years you know what are you talking about? He missed the entire season. He didn't play, oh so it's not gosh. fair to say that.
1: Yeah. So would you sign Peyton Manning? Yes, to- I would. Okay. <laughs>
0: okay. Yes, I would. Okay. If if he wants to come back, come on and <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> go on
1: it. <in>. Okay.
0: <laughs> Eric, speaking of Peyton Manning, uh, let's talk about the quarterback position a little bit here because the Broncos. I think a lot of people thought. At the very least, they were going to bring in somebody who would make that backup position a little bit more of a proven commodity. The Broncos really have not done much. They haven't done anything at that position. And the market for a lot of the guys we thought might be available to come in has really dried up.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, once you saw Mitchell Trubisky and Andy Dalton sign, then it really wasn't any surprise that they didn't. Yeah, I'm just kidding. Kind of following your logic here. Um, you know, no, I make
0: fun of you when I say that.
1: I think that from what we've heard from George Payton, they evaluated all these options. I'm sure they had a price tag that they wanted to go up to on each one um, and probably have some semblance of if it even is an upgrade for them to go from Jeff Driscoll and Brett Rippon, or if you're talking about for a starting type player, if if they're that much of an upgrade over Drew Locke. And clearly these guys were not the right fit at the right price for the Broncos. Um, Phil, I don't think that that means anyone needs to be super concerned. I know there is some concern because with all the work you've done on defense now, everyone's reaction is, well, can Drew Locke play well enough to make, to make this matter? You know, Can he lead the offense to, gosh, even Phil, if they can get to 25 points a game this year, the way this defense should be, that should win you a decent number of football games where you're at least in playoff contention. So, so I certainly understand the focus on the QB position there are still options out there. I mean, you could still trade for a guy like a Sam Darnold, um, Teddy Bridgewater with the Panthers could be an option. Um, you know, I, I, don't know if there's many other, depending on what the 49ers do uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, obviously things are a lot murkier now with Deshaun Watson based on the allegations that the NFL is investigating with him um, and Russell Wilson. It sounds like has Denver's not on his reported list. So that's a little bit of a situation. Phil, if I were guessing now, I think it's either you draft a quarterback at nine slash or trade up to get one, or Drew Lock is your starter in twenty twenty one. Those are those are the two options to me. Draft or Drew Lock.
0: Yeah. I think as far as the starting position goes, I think that Drew Lock is pretty much gonna be the guy at this point. Even if they uh, move up to draft the guy, I'm not necessarily sure that that guy's a slam dunk to start right away from day one either, uh, unless Drew's part of that trade where, the, where he moves up. But uh, I think that uh, barring a, a big deal for, you know, uh, Deshaun Watson, which, like you said, I don't think that that is really on the table right now, at least until a lot of these allegations get cleared up. I don't think Russell Wilson's really an option. So barring something like that, I do think that Drew Locke is going to be the guy here. Uh, I did think that they were either going to bring in a a more proven backup or they were going to bring in a guy who was going to compete with Drew for that starting spot. Somebody like uh, Jacoby Brissett, Uh, I thought maybe they would – you know, go out and get like a Tyrod Taylor or Andy Dalton, somebody who would be a really good backup in case things aren't going well with Drew, like we talked about last year, when things weren't going well with Drew, it was like, oh, well, do we want to bring in Brett Rippon? But like, say, if that guy's Andy Dalton, maybe you're a little bit quicker to be like, yeah, we can still win this game. Let's bring in Andy Dalton. So I think that I thought they were going to do something like that, but at like $10 million a year, I don't think it made a ton of sense to bring in a backup at that price. You know, so I think that once the market sort of started to sh- show its hand with the, what a, what a proven backup was going to cost, it didn't really make a ton of sense, especially with the Broncos trying to beef up the defensive side of the ball. So uh, I was a little surprised that they didn't go after somebody, but I understood the money part of it.
1: Well, you know, for some of the guys, like I think Mitchell Trubisky signed in Buffalo for one year, two and a half million. I mean, that that's not a an exorbitant amount of money. To me, that signals the Broncos weren't really interested in having Mitchell Trubisky come in and maybe didn't see him as an upgrade because you would think, Phil, that based on what they spent on some other guys, like what you gave Mike Boone, for example, that if they really believed that Mitchell Trubisky was either an upgrade or someone that could push Drew, that that price would have been worth it. And now maybe they, you know, maybe, um, I don't know, maybe they negotiated and and that wasn't a a price point that they were interested in, but um, there were options that financially made sense. Um, I will say, I do think if they say they move up and they get a guy, you know, if it's a, a Zach Wilson, a Trey Lance, a Justin Fields, I could certainly see a scenario where he's playing, that guy's playing by the middle of the season. You know, I don't, I don't think it's a, a certainty at this point that Drew Locke is the guaranteed starter for all 16, 17 well, week probably one. games. Right. No, I, yeah, I agree who that knows at this what moment, will happen. But... I agree that you're right. At this moment, it looks like Drew Locke is, and I would even go as far to say because it's the draft that probably for the first month of the season, Drew Locke is probably the guy.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I think that the Broncos have, Playoff aspirations this season, uh, you know that month is going to be crucial, and no matter what happens, and I don't think that if Drew's playing well, I'm not necessarily. I don't think that they'd go away from him, you know. So uh, it, it no. does certainly seem like Drew Lock is going to be the guy next season for the Broncos. There are options though, if if the Broncos want to deal here, like I like if they want to trade, they can go after like a guy like Sam Darnold, which they haven't seemed like they necessarily have. Been interested in doing that i know gardner minchu is like a, a hot name that a lot of people think that uh could be available via trade but when you're just talking about the free agent market now now we're talking about guys like nick mullins alex smith chase daniel i think chase daniel could be a nice option depending on the price that could be a good backup where now you're talking more of a mentor, somebody who can just help and also be a little bit more serviceable in case of
1: an injury. Yeah, I just, I think any of those guys, maybe you're more likely to bring in closer to training camp, closer to this, you know, after the draft that you kind of evaluate, hey, like if if it's say Zach Wilson or Trey Lance or Justin Fields somehow falls to you at nine, that might be too good to pass up after all the holes that you filled in free agency. But uh, so at that point, maybe you do that. And then afterward, maybe you decide, Hey, now we don't need an, an Alex Smith or a uh, Chase Daniel, but maybe you don't get a quarterback and you decide, Hey, let's get a, let's get a late round pick. Let's get a college free agent, And let's also add a, a vet here. And um, so I do think that Broncos are keeping their options open. I think that the fact that Jeff Driscoll and Brett Ripon are still on the roster kind of indicate that, you know, I'm not sure that there's a high likelihood that Jeff Driscoll was the backup to begin the season, but I think there's a reason he's still on the roster and if the team wants to make sure it has at least a certain caliber of backup player in either Jeff Driscoll or Brett Rippon. Otherwise um, the same way that you saw the team move on from Nick Vanette, maybe they would have done so already.
0: And maybe they're still going through that. You know, and you also need like, you need probably four quarterbacks to get through a a full training camp, you know, so um, there could be other reasons at play there for why those guys are still part of the roster. But uh, it's going to be interesting just to see what they do here, because right now it looks like they're just going to run it back.
1: Yeah. And, you know, my take on that is that Drew cannot, I don't want this to sound harsh, but I don't think Drew will be any worse than he was last year. I think it's only possible that he gets better because he's got more time in the offensive system. He's got Cortland Sutton back, Jerry, Judy, Noah Fant have another year in this offense. You know, hopefully Melvin Gordon avoids a suspension and he's there from the beginning and has another year in the offense. The offensive line should be returning almost intact. Hopefully Juwan James comes back and is able to provide a boost there at right tackle, but even if, you, even if everything else is exactly the same, even if Drew's decision-making doesn't necessarily improve, he, he should still be better. And then you think, hey, if we can improve some of these decision-making errors, if we can uh, you know, complete three to five more passes a game, if we can stay on the field for a few more third downs, then that's when the offense can start to drastically improve. And instead of scoring you know, 20 points, maybe you're closer to, to 25, 26, 27, and that's going to win you games with this defense but so we're gonna i mean drew Locke's future regardless of if it's a, a veteran backup or a draft pick could be decided like you mentioned in that first month of the season the broncos are 0 seven in september under vic fangio and it's really it's ruined their playoff chances both years because you have just had this crazy hole to climb out of and so i mean at the very least you got to get to the end of september at, at one and two i mean you've got to find a way to not End your chances before they even really begin.
0: And I do think that uh people have given up on Drew Locke way too quickly. You know, I mean, last year not having an offseason probably hurt the Broncos more than most teams, you know, just because they had a new offensive coordinator coming in, they got a, a lot of young guys building that chemistry, getting the playbook down, that that was crucial for them. And they just didn't have that. So I think that having having an off season here where who knows what it's going to look like if there's going to be in person or if it's just going to be virtual but at least being in the same system for the second year is going to make a big difference. We even got an email about this uh, uh Eric. This one was from uh Ron Arder uh, he says he's been a Broncos fan for more than 40 years. He's not usually the type of person who's going to give an opinion, but, uh, he, he's getting tired of all the negative media about Drew Locke. And, uh, you know, he brings up a couple of guys, John Elway, Peyton Manning, that had some struggles early in his career. And, uh, he thinks that, uh, Drew Locke, he's not saying that he's one of those guys, but, uh, watching this all unfold the past couple of seasons, he says, uh, he thinks that Locke has a lot more upside than downside. So I kind of agree with him. I mean, I don't think it's the end of the world to have Drew come back and just see how he can do. And I think that um, give him the opportunity, but maybe also bring in somebody who you could turn to if things aren't going well.
1: Yeah. Well, and I'll say this, my final thing about Drew is that, unfortunately, right now in 2020, the downside was too low. Like when it was bad. The downside, I don't know if there were many quarterbacks worse off than the Broncos were with Drew. And so, yes, Drew can improve. And I I think he will. And he showed flashes against teams like the Chiefs and the Chargers and the Panthers that he could play really good football. The Raiders, I thought he played a nice game the last game of the year. But that has to be more consistent. And then when he has an off game, he has to play like the 20th best quarterback in the league. He can't play like the 28th best quarterback in the league because that's when you lose games to teams that you have no business losing to, you know, or you get blown out in a game that you should be competitive in. And so, yes, I agree. There's a lot of upside. I think you can still get there. We've seen it. I think you can be more consistent, but part of consistency is is about more than just being good more often. It's about being less bad at times.
0: Yeah. I, I totally agree. I think that for Drew getting better means more consistent. It means hey, you're not going to have a game like that game in Las Vegas where you essentially made it impossible to win. You know, you can't have a game like you did in Atlanta where you you just made it so the Broncos couldn't win the game. I think that you've got to eliminate those and you've got to just be more level all the time because we know drew can make all the throws on the field we know he's athletic he can extend plays. he can get out of the pocket he can throw the ball downfield i think just avoiding those mistakes and being more like just level-headed more often and i think the broncos with the talent around him they're going to win a lot more games if he can do that so erica let's move on and talk a little bit about the draft because you mentioned a couple of guys there at the quarterback position Zach Wilson. Uh, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Mac Jones. These are guys that the Broncos are going to be doing their homework on, trying to decide if that's an option uh, with that ninth overall pick or maybe a trade-up. But now that the first wave of free agency is o- over, where do you think the Broncos are thinking? Where What, what position are they thinking about here uh, with the draft now?
1: Yeah, I would be somewhat surprised at this point if the Broncos pick at nine. Um, just because I think you've given yourself so much more flexibility and free agency where you don't need, you don't definitely need a cornerback. You don't definitely need a defensive end. You don't definitely need an edge rusher. Now, I think you still need players at those positions at some point because von Miller is in the last year of his deal, Kyle Fuller signed a one-year deal. Um, you know, you've got spots all over the roster that you always want young talent, but I see two mean paths. One, if you decide, one of these quarterbacks is your guy, you go up and get him. And maybe now you have a little bit more, um, you feel like you have more flexibility to do that, where you're not going to hurt the rest of the roster by using an additional draft pick this year to go get that guy. But I I think if you truly believe that that can be the future quarterback, the hope is that you're not picking at nine again. And so you don't know how many opportunities you're going to get in the top 10. So if you're close enough, close enough to be in striking distance, make it happen. That's one option. The second option, Phil, I think is is trading back. And in that scenario, I think you'd likely be able to pick up an extra second round pick. And then I think you're looking at some combination in the first and second round. You'd have three picks then. Some combination of cornerback, maybe an edge rusher, safety. And then to me, it could be a real possibility that the Broncos take a running back early. You know, I don't know if a guy like Najee Harris from Alabama is an option Um, George Payton reportedly was not at Alabama's pro day and Najee Harris didn't work out, but he did drive to support his teammates. Um, but you love to see Phil, but you love that good, good optics there. But I, uh, I think you still want, like I said, that, that defensive, that young defensive talent at corner at safety at edge rusher to help kind of prepare for future losses. But if you added a guy like Najee Harris, Travis Etienne early in the second, I mean, you pair those guys with Melvin Gordon, you've got a uh, a pretty good backfield.
0: Yeah, I agree that now they can really do whatever they want going into the draft. There's really nothing that they're like, we've got to address this. Now, I think if they do want to stay at nine and a guy like Micah Parsons is starting to slide a little bit, I would go ahead and, and make that move because he's the kind of guy who you don't necessarily need an inside linebacker. But he's going to take that defense just even a little bit higher immediately. You know, we saw the Super Bowl, guys like Devin White, you know, uh, Levante David, they make major impacts on the game. And we've seen Vic Fangio in his career with guys like Ray Lewis, Patrick Willis, have a lot of success when he's got that middle linebacker just roaming around and, and, you know, wreaking havoc. So... I think that that is an option if they like Micah Parsons. I mean, if they've scouted him and liked him. I agree with you, Eric. The more I look at these quarterbacks, I'm like, man, this is a pretty good class. I mean, uh, obviously, Trevor Lawrence is the cream of the crop, but like, and by no means am I a draft expert or anything like that. But when I watch the highlights, I'm like, man, these guys can really play, Eric.
1: When I see him throw touchdowns, <laughs> I'm like, man, that is impressive.
0: Did you see Mac Jones' uh, pro day? Man, he was slinging that ball, ball far.
1: Yeah, I think there were a few throws where I was like, ooh, that was underthrown. That guy had to slow down. or that And Gracie he wasn't working with his normal receivers. But. Yeah,
0: I mean, maybe the timing was off, but the physical traits, I'm like, gosh, I didn't know he could do that. I mean, he was throwing the ball like 60 yards just in the hair. <laughs> I mean, he was just like, Phew. I mean, it was Everybody. exploding off his Everybody. hand.
1: Yeah. You're oh, like, like I see these running backs and they score touchdowns. I see these wide receivers, they catch these passes. They're uh, blown away.
0: Well, I think with quarterback, you're looking for a lot of physical traits. You know, like, does he have the arm? Can he swing his hips? How's his footwork look? There's a lot of things where you could just evaluate it based off of just looking at him.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that the Mac Jones appeal is completion percentage. I mean, his completion yeah. percentage was in the in the 70s. Accurate. Uh, he He's the type of guy that You'd expect him to come in and uh, get the ball to Jerry Judy, get the ball to Sutton, let those guys then make the plays with the ball in their hands. Um, he, I mean, but you watch the pro day for him and Trey Lance. And Trey Lance has a different level of arm talent. You know, he I and mean, that guy just fires the ball. Really, you think you think it's like a way different, huh? I I just think it looks so much easier for Trey Lance mm. to Stray Lance
0: obviously field. way more athletic. I mean, in the game that he played last season, the one game, I mean, he was running all over the field. He was making crazy passes. I mean, he was taking over. But then again, he wasn't playing the highest level of competition. So Yeah. That's the other knock on Mac Jones is that he had two of the best wide receivers in all of college football. So like those guys are wide open a lot of the time. So yeah.
1: Well, he threw 40 touchdowns and four picks. So he, he did a pretty good job still. And even Um,
0: Justin Fields, I mean, the playoff game against Clemson, I mean, that was like a a career defining moment there where he's going up against a team that knocked him out the year before. You know, he's had all this motivation all offseason and then to come back, get hurt in that game, but lead his team to victory. I mean, these are leadership traits that you want in your quarterback. And uh, I think that this could be a pretty good class.
1: Yeah. Well, and that's even without talking about Zach Wilson, who I think many people now agree. Is the second best quarterback, and um, your friend Phil Sims or believes, or Chris Sims? Chris Sims, yeah, believes yeah. that um, Zach Wilson is better than Trevor Lawrence. I so, think
0: that at this point, unless the Jets get some sort of insane offer, uh, I think that it's almost a slam dunk that Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, one and two, uh, are going to be the picks. At least right now, it's it's what it's
1: looking like. Um. So, yeah, I mean, those guys are, are all options. I think if you then move down, you mentioned Micah Parsons, Phil. I think that's a, a good option. You've got to probably make sure some of the character things are okay there, given his past at Penn State. Um, but, you know, a corner like J.C. Horn from South Carolina, I mean, he tested better than Patrick Sertan. Maybe Caleb Farley starts falling down the board because of his injury, and you can get him later. Um, Phil, you talked about even the possibility of maybe him falling to the second round which is intriguing. And and who knows what could happen? The only
0: thing is I think that Caleb Farley is like a tremendous talent. My only nervousness is that a year ago, he hurt his back. He sat out all of last season and clearly it's still having, having lingering effects. You know, he, he had the uh, micro disectomy on his back this week. So like, That You only do that if you're having like shooting pains down your leg, shooting pains down your arm, like you're in discomfort where you can't uh, show off your athleticism. Now, they say that if everything goes according to plan, he should be ready for training camp. But you're talking about uh, an injury that happened a long time ago, still bothering him now. And when it's a back, I think that you're talking about a lot potentially affecting his athleticism. Now, obviously, Michael Porter Jr., the basketball player, similar situation here. The Nuggets didn't play him at all his first year in the league. Like he just he gray shirted that entire year. Now he's gone on to have good success and he's been able to show off his athleticism. But football is a little different than than basketball. I mean, he's going to be taking shots directly into that back
1: all the time. At what point is a corner getting speared in the back?
0: If he's going to come up and tackle and then it becomes like a scrum, you know, Vic likes his cornerbacks to come up and tackle.
1: Yeah. or He's going to like lean back into him and tackle.
0: He's going to, he's going to tackle him, but then. Swarm tackle Kareem Jackson. Mm. Kareem Jackson knocked out AJ Boye. If I would have sat here and told you, I'd be like, you got to watch out because Kareem's going to come up. You would have thought I was crazy.
1: No, I would have. I would have bought that one. I think, um,
0: this could happen. Dude, well, you should I mean, buy
1: this. As as bad as you make this sound, Phil, it sounds like maybe um, you want to go the Jake Butt route and wait until the fourth or fifth round to to take a flyer on this guy and maybe he's going to go before that, I think. But, well, but uh, yeah. So th- those are options. Uh, Greg Newsom from Northwestern, another option at corner. Um, uh, TCU's got a, a good safety. Uh, I mean, they're they're. There are options there for Denver where I think if you trade back, you can get a couple of really good pieces. And I know, Phil, we kind of disagree on the, you know, do you get one elite player at nine versus can you get two or three really good players later in the first round? And I I agree that you want those elite talents. But to me, the draft is such a – you're throwing darts. And so if you can take two or three chances in the first round or, you know, first round, early second round, and just increase your odds that somebody pans out to be a long-term starter, that's what you need. Because, I feel I, I think the Broncos have had some elite talent over the last few years. You know, they've had Vaughn Miller. Bradley Chubb has been elite at times. Justin Simmons has been elite at times. Um, Cortland Sutton was a pro bowler. I mean, they've had elite talent. I think the issue here has been that there's not enough guys that are, like, really solid, really good players. And so that to me is why maybe trading back and, and restocking some of these positions could make a lot of sense.
0: The Broncos uh, have had a lot of success drafting guy like Sutton in the second round, ha- having him develop into like a, a pro bowl type player, Justin Simmons in the third round. They have found those guys. The only thing that I think is like, you don't, like you mentioned, don't want to be picking a nine again. So like when you are this high up in the draft, now's your chance to get a a kind of a game changer type of player. Um, So I think if you really like a guy, I would go ahead and make the move um, and and just draft the person instead of trying to go back and, and just, you know, like you said, darts, but Eric, uh, I was going to ask you one other position here on what you think. Some people think the Broncos could be in the offensive line market, Uh, you know, maybe an option at right tackle, depending on how things shake out.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think given that Juwan James's contract situation after this season becomes something you can move on from if you want to, um, a right tackle would make some sense. You know, a guy like Rashawn Slater from Northwestern has the ability to move inside and play guard as well. I'm not sure if you need that uh, flexibility just because you do have Graham Glasgow signed to a, a long-term deal. You've got Natani Muti, who you just drafted, who looks like he's got promise at guard. Obviously, Dalton Reisner has played well there. Um, and so I think it's really going to tell you a lot about what does this team think about Juwan James? Because Juwan can be, I believe, under contract for three more seasons if the Broncos want him to be. And so if they don't draft the right tackler, don't make that a priority earlier, I think it's pretty clear that they think Jawan can be that guy. Now, if they go out and they do take a right tackle at nine, if Panay Sewell falls or Rashawn Slater's there at nine, that might signify, hey, we're not so sure about Jawan James, where he is um, and his ability to contribute. But I worry about using that valuable of a pick at nine, Phil, on a guy who, say, Jawan does come in and plays really well. He could be the right tackle for three more years at least, and then... You've just got a you've got a top ten pick sitting there. I mean, to me, that there may be more pressing needs, like a or not even pressing needs, but uh, areas where you can get the guy on the field. You know, get an edge rusher that next year, if if Vaughn moves on, can step right in, or, or get a linebacker, or, or get a corner that if Kyle Fuller's here just a year, can easily step in and, and play alongside Darby. You know, that, that to me, I see a more direct path to the field. I guess.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. But I think also a uh, best available player. If, if one of those offensive tackles drops, you're talking about a guy who could go as high as like four with Sewell. Some, some have had him going that high. If he drops and maybe there's a bunch of trades where guys are moving up to take quarterbacks and he starts falling and he's there at nine, you're like, Oh man, we could get the best, best tackle in this draft. You know, maybe it becomes a little bit more enticing.
1: I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what you then do on the offensive line. If that I means you trade somebody else to get value. You know, if you say, hey, we're going to move him inside and we trade Graham Glasgow, we trade Dalton Reisner, we trade Juwan James. I mean, the, the, you have to make a difficult decision there. And, I, you know, everybody says best player available. But, like, Kyle Pitts could be on the board at nine or, like, Jamar Chase could be on the board at nine. because they are not drafted Jamar Chase no matter what. Yeah, you know, but so, this
0: Sewell could come in and contribute and make that offensive line much better, and, and then that allows you to move on trade trade a guy like uh, John James.
1: Yeah, I mean, boy, you the could cap it the cap hit would make it difficult, but um, certainly an option. It's not as out of the realm of possibility as like a Jamar Chase or a Kyle Pitts, but I still think it's maybe a little bit far-fetched in terms of what the team needs. You know, I'd be, I'd be much more comfortable if you got on the board at nine and um, Pene Sewell was there to say, hey, we're going to let another team who needs a tackle come up and get him. We're going to trade down a few spots and reevaluate. Because, I mean, that's what they did last year when Tampa came up to get um, Tristan Wirfs. Denver could have, you know, hypothetically made that pick or gotten a tackle, um, and instead they, they sat tight and got a receiver. So you would
0: be okay drafting a cornerback even though they're not going to get on the field other than playing special teams?
1: I think given the injury history of Bryce Callahan and Ronald Darby and the fact that Kyle Fuller and I believe Bryce Callahan too are both entering the final years of their deal, that makes more sense to me than trying to draft behind a guy who still has three years left on his contract.
0: Mm. But you know how those contracts are... are. Uh, yeah. It's not really three years. Eric, uh, let's get to our final topic here, talking about the Broncos' ring of fame. Uh, we mentioned Von Miller. He's probably got a good chance at the ring of fame here. But uh, Eric, besides him, who do you think on this team uh, uh, could be a ring of famer and what do they ne- need to do to get there?
1: Yeah, I mean, let's start with the... Obvious answer, and and that's the one that kind of led us to this conversation topic. Was now that Justin Simmons has been re signed here for four more years, assuming he plays out that deal, Phil, and you were the one who just said the contracts mean nothing. um, He will have played in Denver for nine years, which is certainly uh, kind of within the range of most of the Ring of Fame players. There are a few exceptions, obviously, uh, Peyton Manning, John Lynch being a couple of them, but. That will be within the range. I think to get that done, Phil, he probably needs to make maybe three or four more Pro Bowls over the next four years or over the rest of his career if that continues in Denver after that, Um, which is certainly not out of the realm of possibility. I think making the Pro Bowl becomes so much easier once you make it for the first time because then your name is out there. And I I don't think Justin Simmons is currently a household name. I think becoming the highest paid safety helps being on NFL network with your uh, new press conference helps being selected to an all pro team or or a pro bowl that helps. So I think that he's starting to gain the national recognition that will help him get to these pro bowls. But um, that's one thing is maybe add three or four more pro bowls. And the other thing, Phil, you know, they've got to start winning some games. He's got to be able to help make a difference, get them to the playoffs because There's not many guys. There's some, Phil, but not many guys on this in the ring of fame that didn't have team success to go with their individual accomplishments. And and Justin certainly has that. He's got the interceptions. I think he'll end up high on that list all time in terms of Broncos, uh, all time leaders. But they've got to find some team success. Otherwise, you know, maybe you just look at him as a really, really good player, but not ring of fame caliber.
0: Yeah, I mean, Justin joined the team probably at the worst possible time, just coming right off that Super Bowl. And he, during his five years, they haven't even smelt the playoffs. I mean, they're not even that close. You know, where the first year they
1: were very close.
0: The, in the last week of the season, they were not in contention for the playoffs. You know, so I think that that's contention is when the heading into the last week of the season, you're playing for something. He has not had that. He has not entered the final week of the season with something on the line. So I do think that he needs to have some team success. I think that with his contract, he needs to make plays that lead to team success. You know, whether that, you know, you heard Vic Fangio say that he's a caddy out there. He makes his own plays, but he also helps all the other players around him. He's got to do more of that where all of a sudden you're saying because Justin's in there, this defense is going from one level to the next level, and it's because of Justin. You know, that's the kind of player. And I think that he's going to embrace that challenge head on. So if I were to just guess, I would say Justin Simmons eventually becomes a a ring of famer, not just because of the play on the field, but... To me, when you're talking about a ring of famer, you're talking about a little bit something extra that's like a little bit something special, you know, where he's big in the community or he's played his whole career in Denver, something like that, where you just got, there's like a special quality about this guy where, you know, when you think of him, you're like, that is a Denver Bronco. And Justin Simmons to me is that you know, like he's like a special kind of guy. He's big in the community. He's played his whole career here. And I think that he's going to go on and have that Pro Bowl individual success. Maybe if they make the playoffs a couple of times, who knows what happens. Maybe if they make a couple of runs or something at at a championship, then for sure he's a slam dunk. Other than Justin, to me right now, as it stands, I think that Cortland Sutton Bradley Chubb are the two other guys that have the potential to get there but much like Justin they need to get that second contract in in order to get to that to that realm where it's it's a likelihood
1: yeah you know and i think with Bradley we'll know a lot more this coming year like if he can get back to double digit sacks and kind of get back on track uh, maybe it becomes more likely i think for an edge rusher to to make the ring of fame You're you're, because of the the success that guys have had, you probably need to get to that 70, 80 career sack mark, you know, around there at the very least. Um, Certainly not out of the question for Bradley to get there, Um, but he's kind of got to get a move on to some degree. He's got about 20 through three seasons. Um, He didn't
0: play the one season.
1: So he was still under contract. I mean, you got to like, you can't just pretend like. You don't get but, to redo that, you know, like he lost a year yes, of his career here in Denver. And so it's unfortunate, but like Vaughn Miller's chase to catch Bruce Smith, no one's going to be like, well, you get to play an extra year, like your body's not going to slow down because you missed this one year. It's just that's part of it, unfortunately.
0: But when you frame it like 20 and three, your brain starts to think, okay, how many is that per season? Which is not really the case with him.
1: Right. He has averaged about six sacks a year, including that season. I think that you know, Shaq Barrett. If I say he's got thirty sacks in two years, your brain like, you okay, think that. he's got
0: fifteen a season per that's year. How Your brain yeah. thinks, yes. right.
1: But in reality, he had twenty one year and ten the other, and that's how the yeah. averages work. I mean, Bradley Chubb has been a Denver Bronco for three years, and he has twenty sacks. I just, I wouldn't frame that's it true. like that.
0: It's a little misleading.
1: I don't think it's misleading at all. I mean, I think that that's part of the decision when you're deciding: Hey, is Bradley Chubb? Are we going to give him a long-term extension? Are we going to give him make him one of the top paid edge rushers? You have to factor in that hey, he tore his ACL and missed a season, and then he came back, and in his comeback season, which was a Pro Bowl season, and I think a success, he had seven point five sacks and a lot more pressures. But like, he's got seven
0: and a half. Isn't good enough
1: he's got to get back to that 12 to 14 area that he was in as a rookie and i i think he can do that but he's really got to make a surge here over the next 2 to 3 years of his career um because that's i think when pass rushers kind of you know they get the the meat of their career and maybe you know year 4 through 7 or 8 like that's the prime of your career he's really got to to pile those up there court courtland who also <laughs> missed a year of his career
0: yeah how many catches did he have last year
1: he had zero catches, or I, mean, I guess not zero, but yeah, he what, had like six like catches. Twelve catches. Yeah, he played a half and had a lot of catches. I, I think Courtland. The thing with him will be, you know, how what is his relationship like with Jerry Judy on the field, and how are they used? Because I mean, I think Demarius Thomas is a a slam dunk ring of famer because he's been he, he was here his whole career, pretty much, and um, was a number one guy for a while. But when Emmanuel got here, you know, they split catches, they split yards. And I'm not I think Emmanuel's probably on the outside looking in as a ring of famer. Um, but it'll just be interesting to see how Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy develop. Um, you know, if Cortland can be a 90 catch guy every year and then and, and still get those numbers with Jerry Judy here, then I think he's he's got that potential. Now if if they both end up with 70 catches a year and a thousand yards each instead of, you know, pushing 13 or 1400 occasionally, then it becomes more difficult for Cortland Sutton to climb up the all time receptions list, the all time receiving yard list. And I just think in today's NFL, Phil, you probably need to solidify yourself pretty comfortably on that list to, to get into the ring of fame.
0: Yeah, most definitely. I mean, I think for both of those guys, you just got to focus on getting to that second contract with the Broncos. I do think that Broncos management really likes both of those guys. Both of them, similar to Simmons, have that personality, uh, the leadership qualities that you want in your locker room. So I think that for them, if they get to that second contract, they'll eventually get to ring of fame status. Um, for Chubb, I mean, pass rushers make a lot of money in that second second contract. So he's going to have to do something this season where you're like – like, for example, in my mind, Chubb has to, like, push Vaughn this year to be like, I'm the guy now here. Do you know what I mean? Like, there needs to be that kind of a competition where, you know, maybe Chubb has 14, 15, and Vaughn has, like, 12. And you're like, oh, the the baton has been passed here. You know, I think that, that that's what Chubb – he's got to do that this year where – up until this point, you thought, okay, Vaughn was like this guy who's on track to a, a hall of fame career and Chubb is this young guy who's on, on the rise. I think that baton needs to get passed this year for Chubb to really get that second contract that he's going to want and for the Broncos to want that too. And, and Cortland Sutton, I, I do think that he's going to benefit from Jerry Judy being here. I think that he's. He's been in the building rehabbing. We know that he's been working hard. And uh, I think he's primed for a big comeback season too. So those two guys, along with Simmons and Vaughn, I think are the are the ring of famers on this roster right now. Eric, I know you think there might be one other
1: player. Well, I think Brandon McManus has a, a good chance of becoming a ring of famer. He, you know, if he's here a couple more years, he could I think he's already in second place in a lot of categories. I think he could push Jason Elam and some of these other ones. Um, we've got a Denver might have more kickers in their ring of fame yeah. than any team, um, and I think Brandon McManus could could potentially push for that depending on how much longer he's here. You know, I mean, kickers can kick forever, so we'll have to see how that goes. But yeah, the, the guy you're referencing, I, Garrett Bowles, played really well last year, and I think if he can somehow maintain that through this next contract and be a perennial Pro Bowler, get to to four Pro Bowls, five Pro Bowls, which it was asking a lot to, to have him be that consistent over the next few years. But I think that puts him in the conversation at least. And um, I only bring him up though just because there's not too many other guys that you can think of on the roster right now and be like, they've got the potential here to, now that they're in the prime of their career, that they're in their second contract, you know, we're kind of limited with those guys. So that's just kind of why I bring up Bowls as a maybe a long shot.
0: And the Broncos do have young players who, who knows, the, I mean, the the book is definitely way out on them. You you don't know what they're going to become balls. I'm not quite ready to put into that category just because it was just one season. If he comes back and, and does, has the same kind of season, then I think we could have this, this conversation next year, but right now I'm not quite ready to do that.
1: How many uh, really good seasons has Corlin son had?
0: Corlin said, I think, in my mind, different category than Garrett Bowles. It just feels like that, doesn't it, to you, Eric? I'm just using your argument,
1: the reason. The sad.
0: reason is I've never seen Cortland go out and have a really terrible season. Got it. Right? I haven't seen that. Well, I've seen Bowles do that. And so – I think that the likelihood that next season Cortland Sun comes back and has a monster year and replicates his Pro Bowl season from 2019, probably a little bit higher than Bowles coming back and replicating his 2020.
1: I think the odds are higher that Garrett Bowles is a Pro Bowler next year than Cortland Sun. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Because I think I think something has clicked for Garrett. Mm. And I hope you're right. I hope you're not, right. Well, I mean, I want Cortland to make the Pro Bowl too. It's not like I'm rooting for one guy, uh, you know, above the other. But I just think that, given Jerry Judy's presence, given that uh, Noah Fant is here now, given that Corland Sutton's coming back from an injury, uh, I think that it could be very much a similar type of year that Bradley Chubb just had, where Pro Bowl you, season, where you are kind of slow to get back to where you were. Whereas Garrett Bowles has no lingering injury issue. Something has clicked. He was not only a pro bowler, but a second-team all-pro, arguably this, the, you could argue the best left tackle in the game. Um, so to me, I, I think it's more likely that Garrett yeah. continues that.
0: Interesting. I, I would not have thought that. Uh, I, I just sort of like – and and Bowles has definitely changed the narrative on him. But, like, just in my mind, when I'm thinking of, like, the tears of broncos players balls is like hovering on that to me where he's like almost in that upper echelon of broncos players uh, i don't know if i'm quite ready to just put him right in there
1: i mean he isn't, isn't he among the highest paid left tackles in the game
0: i don't know uh is that true i mean obviously trent I williams think, just I think when he
1: was signed he was pretty pretty high up there mm-hmm. whereas I don't know. You know, if you went through and you you draft you pick the top 5 left tackles in the league, I think there's a chance you would say Garrett Bowles is among those. I'm not I'm not sure if you went through and you said, "Hey, I want to pick the top 5 wide receivers in the yeah. league." I don't know that Cortland Sutton is one of those guys right now. He yeah, could be could come back, but uh there's just so much wide receiver talent that it's more difficult to to make it and it's you know, so much more depends on the quarterback position. You know, Cortland needs Drew yeah. to have a good year, for him to have a good year. Garrett just goes out there, and as we like to say on the neutral zone, he just goes out there and pushes, Phil. He's out there protecting his wife. <laughs> exactly, as he likes to say, yes. Yeah.
0: Eric, when you think about the ring of fame coming up here, obviously Mike Shanahan is going to have his ceremony, uh, presuming that fans are allowed to come back next season. Who else? Who, who's next? Uh, who's coming up here for the Broncos Uh Peyton Manning's probably slam dunk.
1: I think Peyton Manning's going to go in. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But I mean, other than him, who are who are some guys that we're thinking is are coming up next?
1: Um, I mean, Al Wilson, I think is a guy that deserves to be in the ring of fame, uh, former all pro player. Uh, I know lots of fans would like Ed McCaffrey to, to be in the ring of fame at some point. I'm not sure if he's the next guy necessarily, but I do think at some point that'll come, um, uh, and then you might, you know, I think akib Talib is a guy that merits serious consideration when he's the clock kind of starts on him. I think now uh, since he's officially, I believe, retired. Right. So um, <laughs> I think are, so. <laughs> we think. Yeah. Um, so, so those are all options that stand out to me. I don't know if I'm missing anybody obvious, Phil, but like DeMarcus Ware is not eligible for the Ring of Fame. Otherwise, uh, I think he would probably be a guy that could go in.
0: Yeah, and then down the lo- down the road a little bit, uh, DT Chris Harris Jr. Those are guys who, who yeah. will eventually uh, get in here. So I mean, I don't
1: think DT is officially retired.
0: Uh, has he not? I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't
1: think he's. Well, I mean, he hasn't. But played, in his papers, yeah. But I don't think he's officially retired. So maybe they retroactively say that last year counted. Yeah. But um, yeah, I don't. I don't remember him signing anything.
0: Or, or definitely not having like a press conference where he says goodbye right. and stuff. So
1: yeah.
0: yeah, maybe that's something that's uh, coming up here. Who knows? But it's just weird because I think you tend to glorify those old guys a little bit more in my mind because I'm like, God, is, is Garrett Bowles like Ryan Clady? And I'm like, gosh, I, I don't know. Like I put Clady like in my mind, like in a different category, but, but maybe you're right. I mean, maybe Bowles is, is on his, on his way there. You know, maybe we're about to witness it.
1: Yeah. I mean, Ryan Clady made four Pro Bowls. And so, and I think he probably feel is, is a borderline guy that could get into the ring yeah. of fame at some point. And so hey, Bowles has less room for error, let's say that, than some yeah. of these other guys. You know, he, he yeah. can't afford to go Pro Bowl and then two years off and then Pro Bowl just because he already started as an older player. And um, obviously the first three years of his – four years of his career didn't go so well. So – um He's got to kind of string these together, but, uh, you know, I, it's not out of the realm of possibility that it could happen.
0: Yeah, it's possible. It's possible. Let us know if we forgot somebody, you know, just tweet at us or send an email. Gary Kubiak,
1: be a fame. That's going to happen.
0: Yeah. Who knows,
1: Eric? I'm not sure. I feel confident about that one at some point.
0: I know you feel confident about it. That doesn't really mean much. <laughs> True. True. Gosh. Yeah. So let us know if we forgot anybody or what you think about that. Uh, Definitely an interesting conversation, Eric. I think that, you know, uh, there's a, you know, when you're just talking about people who are in the middle of their careers, it's hard to sort of place their history within the franchise and everything. So uh, a lot could definitely happen. Um, You know, uh, like I was saying, you got to be a special person too. Like you can't just be like pretty good. You got to gotta have an impact on the organization as a whole. So see right. if some of these guys come through in
1: that area as well. So,
0: all right, Eric, uh, any shout outs? Time for, uh, for our favorite part of the show.
1: Yeah, uh, I think Liz Manis was upset last week that we didn't mention Zoom. And so we just want to make sure she knows she's still doing a good job Zooming. Uh, yes. Click and start, letting people in from the waiting room hitting the record button. I mean, people take those sorts of things for granted, but uh, Liz Manish just does it to the best of her ability every day. Eric, we thought that we were moving on from Zoom. Like we
0: had a couple of in-person press conferences and then boom, Kyle Fuller right back to Zoom. So like, I almost forgot how to do it. Yeah. So like for someone like Liz, you know, you think, okay, we don't need Zoom anymore, but she's always as a professional, always ready to go. So
1: yeah. Well, and you think about how sometimes, like, they talk about older people in the workforce getting like phased out because of technology. Liz kind of has the opposite problem right now, where she's too good at the technology, and we're going to go back to the old way. Yeah. And it's like, well, can, do you remember how to
0: the uh, old-fashioned way? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's like she's mastered the cell phone, but we're going back to the landline.
1: Exactly. Yeah. You yeah. know, dial-up.
0: Dial-up. Yeah. She's living in a high-speed Wi-Fi era. Yeah, she's in 4K. She's in 4K, and we're like, can we just go back to regular HD? Exactly. Yeah. But she's ready. Once the rest of the world is ready to embrace Zoom permanently, she'll be ready. Perfect. Eric, uh, also another shout-out uh, to one of your, your um, mentors, your idols. It's, the, it's his birthday today. I don't know if you
1: want to. I don't to, know where uh, you were going with that. I don't know if you want to have a shout Mr. out for him, Mr. P Manning. Yes. Happy birthday to him. Yes. Very exciting. I think he's forty-five today. Yeah. Um, so he's catching up to you, Phil, another ten years or so, and he'll be where you were ten years ago. So um, just excited for him. I know you still want him to play quarterback. So Peyton, if you're listening, <laughs> Phil, Phil's extended an open invitation for you to come. Is this as a camp arm, Phil, or you, you're just no, like started?
0: No, to- no, no, no. Peyton Manning does not do camp arm. Are you silly? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Almost the opposite. The opposite of a camp arm to me is like a playoff arm. Like let's oh. have a guy just get through the regular season and then boom,
1: playoff arm. Here's a serious question for you. Like say Washington, the Washington football team last year, right? They They snuck into the playoffs. They hosted a home playoff game. Do you think they would have had a better chance of winning if you gave Peyton like two weeks to learn the playbook and then said, you're starting today and you just needed like a couple really good games from him. Do you think they would have been better off than starting Taylor Heineke or whatever his name is? Uh,
0: I mean, that is a good question. I don't think so. I mean, in like all seriousness, I don't think so. Um, Just because uh, the physical part of the game is such a, it's so important. Do you know what I mean? Like uh, he was able to get by, that year when the Broncos went won Super Bowl 50 with a lot of limitations because he's so smart, because he knows where the open guy is going to be, because he knows how to manage the game and knows like, OK, in this situation, this is what our bigger goal is here. But that was even then that was five years ago. Do you know what I mean? So while he's probably healthier, maybe in the sense of like his body overall feels better now, Um, I just still don't think that he... The arm probably is is going to take a long time to get back into shape in order to throw the football. We saw him throwing the football at John Elway in Payton's places. I mean, what yeah. do you think?
1: I think he had a very bad answer. I think he would have blown out Tom Brady. That's my answer. Oh, got it. Yeah,
0: that's a good answer. Yeah, yeah. Maybe the maybe the mental edge over like the the, the defenders would be like, oh my God, it's Peyton Manning. Yeah.
1: They're- they would have had no idea what to do. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's true. I did see an interesting topic out there. They said like, uh, what retired NBA player could come and like have a killer NCAA tournament? You know, Mm -hmm. like, like could Michael Jordan join one of these college teams now and just like take over, uh, you know, like, could he have like a, a, an NCAA run where he came in and played well? An interesting conversation, but ultimately, I don't think you can dismiss the athleticism that it takes to play at this
1: level. Yeah, maybe that could be a good conversation for our basketball podcast that we do. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: What would that be called? Tip-off? Like, what's the
1: neutral zone? What's
0: the neutral zone
1: for basketball? I I don't know. The restricted area. Okay. Okay.
0: (laughs) Eric anything else you want to You want to mention here
1: on the show No I'm about done with you Phil
0: (laughs) All right well if you'd like to be a part Of the show listening go ahead and Call in 707 neutral Let us know what you think Could Peyton Manning play in the playoffs Let us know what you think Just blast Eric for a little bit For me please Um, And Eric you could also leave an email too
1: That's right neutralzone show at gmail.com If you want to know if you want to teach Phil how averages work, or how kind of to count seasons, or anything like that? Send an email.
0: I know John Jornad will send an email here yeah. and let us know what's going on. Yeah, yeah. You could also hit us up on Twitter at Eric Dalala with an A at Phil Milani with a PH uh, non-traditional spellings uh, there. So don't be confused if you see us on Twitter and you're like, God, that's weird. <laughs> Eric, should we update people on what happened with Roya Burton?
1: Who
0: is that? Yeah, dead yeah. to us. Exactly. Dead to us. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. We thought that maybe she would be listening. She has not listened to either yeah. of the last two two episodes. Maybe Very she'll listen this time. Very disappointing. Maybe she'll listen this time. The world will never know. Yeah. All right, we'll be back next week. But until then, for Eric DeLala, I am Phil Moani. You've been listening to the,
1: the Neutral Zone. Zone.